Sometimes I think I'm in control And I act so foolishly Facing problems on my own I don't know what's best for me Mistakes at times disturb all the plans you have made. Lord, keep me in your so I won't be in your way and put me. So I won't be in 
Christian. There we go. Hallelujah. Something else, anybody? Drugs? Drugs get a hold of you, they'll kill you. Do drugs one time. How many heard of a story of a kid doing them one time? They were laced with something and killed them. Sherry? Or right, what kind of snake? It don't matter if you're scared of them, you break your neck trying to get away from them. I agree with you, girl. Joseph? Something you grab hold of? Something that could kill you? What's something that could grab a what? A poison dart frog? Must be an East Texas thing. I don't know anything about that, but I believe you. Brother Benny? Spiders. Spiders will make you kill yourself. I could be doing 75 miles an hour on Highway 59. If a spider fall down on me, I'll just jump out. I'm dead. I just leave the truck. I'm gone. I'm through. I'm over. It's bye. Uh, one thing that would kill you, Janae, a tiger. Boy, you in bad places. You run into a tiger. I'm just walking around. I was going through Conroe, walking in the mall, a big tiger come out and whoop me and kill me. <laughs> I guarantee you it probably could. Libby, well, that could destroy your eternal salvation for sure. But what is something that you grab a hold of that could just kill you and destroy you? Dean? A bull, for sure. Ask Dave Ramey. We almost lost his glasses. He was mad at you, Dean, because you weren't here to save him. So uh, it was your fault, he said. I don't know what he's talking about. We need you, too. Dave's getting really too old to work in that back pen. I wouldn't let him use it as an excuse not to work today. He worked really hard. Uh, Loretta, uh, Roro, an alligator. <laughs> alligator, grab a hold of you. You're going to need more than hand surgery. Brother Benny, what? The devil sure can get a hold of you and kill you. A gun can kill you. One single shot can kill you. There's a lot of things out there. One time, 
get one time, it could kill you. Huh? How many believe that? Everybody? Anybody else have something just like, uh, I watch this show sometimes, A Thousand Ways to Die. And uh, uh, I was thinking about that because I was up late last night and it was on. And I was like, I wonder what my church would come up with that could kill you. If you grabbed a hold of it or, or just one time deal, just could kill you. A bomb, that's for sure. That's right. Anybody else? A bomb. Boom. Boom. Sherry. Uh, jumping off a story building. Mark, one bad decision. Garrett, did you do something? Because I feel like I went down a little bit. No? Uh, all right, so those things could kill you. Everybody agree? Name one thing that could save you. Hold on. We know that. Y'all are like all churchy and stuff. <laughs> Let's remove the devil and Jesus. We know that. We're in church. Woo! Play along, play along, play along. That was what I thought. One thing that could save you would be one of those things they pound on your chest. You a happy camper if you need one of them. And one of them. <laughs> those long electricity. If one can get you, another one might save you. What can might save you? A body harness. That's right. You fall from a building. Anybody else? Poncho? A bulletproof vest. Those are selling those at Walmart now. If you did not know, they're on aisle seven. $39.95. And you could try them out on aisle eight. What 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 can save you? The decision you make for sure can save you. What could save you, Mark? Modern medicine. Back there in the back, what do you think could save you? The person next to you could save you. Amen. Unless you've got some friends that really don't care for you. They might push you in front of that train. I was just thinking about John. What do you think? A life vest? If you're in a boat, boat go down, you want one. Anybody? A first responder could save your life. Libby? Your husband saved yours. Huh? Mary? A helmet, if you're a bull rider, a motorcycle rider. Just ask Jason. I think that, that helmet saved Jason on that last fall. He took. Anyone else? A seatbelt? Ooh, I'd have to. I'd have to debate that, girl. I'd have to debate that. I guess they do save lives. I think that's the worst law. I think if you don't have a helmet law, you don't need a seatbelt law. Because we're in Texas, and you should die if you want to die. I'm just kidding. Maybe not. Can't stand seatbelts. Darlene, what could save your life? I'm going to preach and you're going to learn something. Give me just a minute. I just want to see what y'all come up with. True friend could save your life. Amen. Good preacher could save your life. Prayer. Prayer will save your life. Fred, a good psychiatrist. You hadn't found one yet, have you, cowboy? You're still looking. I'll give you a number when we leave here tonight. Anybody else? The suicide hotline's a good line to dial if you need it. Stormy girl, love can save your life. Poncho, 
firefighter. Love could kill you too, you know that? <laughs> what could save your life? What, what, what could save your life? Aspirin? Oh, that's right, you're a nurse. My doctor put me on a little low regiment. Dave? 911. But you know now that my son's girlfriend is a 911 operator. I don't know if I'd put that much trust in her, boy. <laughs> Just saying. Just, she ain't here tonight. It's even right, talking about her behind her back. I, I was thinking about it. One, one, one decision we make could kill us. One encounter with something could kill us. One decision we make could save us. One encounter with something can save us. I got to thinking about that today, and I asked my Lord and Savior, say, I said, Lord, what could save us from you? Now, we know the Bible, praying, believing, and the Lord said, my touch. He just whispered that to me. One touch from the Lord can save you. One touch. Who believes that tonight? I, I, I don't want to go all I don't want to go all Assembly of God or Pentecostal on y'all, but has anybody ever been touched by the Lord? Has anybody ever had a real encounter with the Lord where He touched them? Where the wind blew by and you knew it was Him? For me, I was in the back of a police car. I was all by myself. I prayed. I, I was going to prison. I said, Lord, I can't do this by myself. And my hand squeezed in the back of that car. I was touched by the Lord. The Lord is in the touching business, folks. He wants to reach down and touch your life tonight. He wants you to allow him to touch you. He wants to come and have an encounter with you, Scott Jones. But we got to be right with God for him to touch us, to have this encounter. I, I was thinking about it, that, that, that we need to be living so right that the Lord sees us and wants to bless us and touch us, and we experience that. So when the Lord told me that, I started looking up things that, that, that people had encounters where God touched them. And I was found this story of this farmer, and he was on his tractor, and he has had a lot of friends who've had tractor accidents. And, and, and it just so happened that he was always cautious. He was always taking every extra, all he did was farm for a living. Now we're talking Idaho, we're talking tractors, we're talking to the farmers that make their living with these. Up there, he said, it ain't nothing for 5, 10, 15 people a year to die in a tractor accident. We don't hear about it on the news like we do down here because it's not here. But up there in farming country, people die every day in farming accidents. So he said, I took every precaution to, to, to make sure that I didn't wind up with statistics. Well, one day his tractor got hung up in something. And so he wanted to get off and go see what was the matter with it. All of a sudden, he looked down at the back and he had noticed a bolt came loose. And when he lifted up his jacket got caught in the PTO shaft. And that thing was spinning at a trillion miles an hour and grabbed him and started flipping him under and over, under and over, and under and over, and under and over, under and over, and under and over, and over and over. And somehow, some way, it finally kicked him loose. His lungs were collapsed. Almost half of his body was broken in a million pieces. His legs were shattered. His arms were shattered. He, he laid there on the ground. He was in the middle of a field. He was in the middle of a field all by himself. And he said, 
Lord, if this is where i got to die, please forgive me of my sin. And all of a sudden, he felt something touch him. And it was somebody said, get up. His clothes were ripped completely off of him. He was a battered, mangled mess. He was in the middle of a field. It was almost dark. It was freezing cold. And he was laying there, and he felt the blood just rushing out of his body. And something touched him and helped him get on that tractor. He got on that tractor, not by himself. He said, something got me up on that tractor. How many believe in miracles? I still believe in miracles. I'm going to always believe in miracles. I believe that God wants to have a miracle with you tonight. He wants to touch your marriage. He wants to touch your life. He wants to deliver you from them drugs and alcohol. He wants to touch you tonight. That's a, that's a great feeling for a pastor to look into people's lives and know that he already has touched a lot of people. He's already delivered a lot of people. He said he got on that tractor and he, he made his way out there to the, to the road and that was as far as he could make it and he just blocked traffic. All of a sudden... Cars started showing up from nowhere. And the first person on the scene just so happened to be a paramedic. And it was the worst thing she said she had ever seen in her entire life. People started showing up. He said, call my wife. I want to tell her I love her. He thought he was going to die. The wife showed up. Oh, She couldn't even see up that far. She just saw the wreckage. She just saw the mangledness. She hit her knees and she began to pray. And then all of a sudden the whole community of people started showing up and everybody began to pray. In one touch, they got him to the hospital, pieced him back together. He's walking, talking, breathing, living today. He is alive today. He loves Jesus. His whole family loves Jesus. God wants to touch us like that too. Somebody believe that tonight with me. Look at Matthew 8. <clears throat> One of these days I'm going to go to Africa. I really am. One of these days I'm going to leave the great United States of America and I'm going to travel outside of, uh, of, uh, uh, of this, this place and I... And I'm going to go somewhere where they still are raising folks from the dead by their faith. They are still raising people from the dead. They are still laying hands on people and healing them right now. There are churches in America right now where pastors have, have so much faith in God that they are laying hands on people and healing them today. I believe that they are not healing them, that Jesus is healing them, but he is using those people of great faith. I found this scripture, and I, I was talking with the Lord, and I, and I was thinking about our lives, and I was thinking about how can I make all this relate to a, to a daily life, to something that on a Wednesday night, my church family can leave here tonight knowing that God wants to touch them, have an encounter with them, heal them, deliver them, whatever the case may be, bless their finances. Is there anybody here that would like God to touch their finances? You ought to hear me tonight. Don't raise your hand. If you, I, I, even if you got money, you want God to bless you. 
Matthew 8, 14. Got my Bible? And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and very sick with a high fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and ministered unto them. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast them out their spirits with his word, and he healed those that were sick. One touch from God, my friend, can bring about total healing in your body. Whether it be physical or emotional. Somebody ought to hear me tonight. Whether it be physical or emotional. How many have ever been in emotional states and cried out to God? And you thank God tonight that you're alive because you cried out to him and he showed up. He said, if you call on me, I'll be there. One touch can God from God can bring a total and complete healing, whether it be physical, emotional, uh, like Fred said, psychological. Anybody ever, anybody ever tonight go crazy? Lord, you better calm my spirit down. Lord, you better calm my spirit down because I'm about to slap somebody. I'm about to go nuts, Lord. I'm, my eyes are popping out of my head, Lord. My head is bobbing, Lord. Some of y'all ladies be bobbing your head. What's really bad is when I see dudes do it. You bobbing your head, boy, put your head together. One touch, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, God can change you. But he'll never do that for you, Miss Biggs, if you don't believe him. He'll never do that if you're just coming to church to go through the motions. He'll never do that until you plug in your whole life and put it in his hands. He'll never do that for you, I promise you. But the moment you say, God, here I am, I'm all in, touch me. And he'll do that for you. I thank God that he wants to do that for you tonight. One touch from God can change your entire life. You can be a low position in the office. You're going along. You're doing your best. You're honoring God. And all of a sudden, one touch from God, it changes your life forever. How many believe that God shows up like that sometimes? Somebody else was qualified, but you got the job. Somebody else was ready and willing and able, but you're not so able God still gave it to you. One touch can God can shift you, can change you. All of a sudden, supernatural things take place in your life, and all of a sudden you went from the bottom to the top, an overnight success. An overnight success. God can shift that in your life tonight with his touch. One touch of his favor can put you 50 years ahead where you ought, thought you ought to be. One good break one idea, one person who likes you, one person who looks up to you, one person who finds you, you the right job put, and introduces you with the right person. You didn't see it coming. It just fell into place. That's a touch from God, folks. When we got our house, we looked at a lot of houses. We looked at a lot of houses, and, and we really liked one over here by the YMCA. But it was like lipstick on a pig. It looked really good on the outside. But the moment you started looking on the inside, it kind of stunk. 
And I, I had my mind set on it. I knew that was for us. It had a barn. It had an arena. It had a swimming pool. It was the right price, everything. But I started listening to God, and I started listening to wise counsel. And they said, look, you can buy it now at this great price, but the air condition is going to cost you 15000 The roof is going to cost you 15000 This is going to cost, and that's going to cost. And all of a sudden, this $180,000 house is actually a $280,000 house. I thought, man, I don't care. I want it. I want it. I want it. There's nothing else out there as good as that. And all of a sudden, God shifted our eyes from being over here in the Conroe area to being over in the Splendor area. And one shift, God opened up a door supernaturally in a house that we couldn't afford, in a place where it's on a dead-end road, a place where we feel safe, comfortable. And God opened up that door in one shift, one moment, God fixed it where we could buy it. God loves us all, and he wants to do that for all of us. If he'll do that for me, he'll do it for you. One year this church was about to close the doors. The next year it started. One shift. One, one moment you're here, you, you feel like you can't even move. The next day, God puts some joy in your heart. He starts changing things for you. All of a sudden, you went from bad health to healthy. If my friend Earl Massey, 91 years old, can have hope and dreams to ride that moped when he wins it in the Super Bowl pot, and that's all he's talking about from his hospital bed. Here, take that preacher my money. Trying to put it a square for me because I'm winning it. I said, Earl, when you win it, I want to see you ride it. He said, I'm going to ride it. You know what Lita said? She's, he has always taught her family to dream, to believe. To dream and to believe that, that bigger things are better out there. Bigger and better things are out there for you. The problem with us is we see right now we can't look ahead. God wants us to look ahead and know that he has bigger and better things for us. I believe that tonight. Will you believe with me? You know when Dalton, Justin rodeoed in high school, three years we tried to make state. It was just three years we couldn't get the right partner one time his partner stole a truck from somebody and, and wound up going to juvenile. Another time a partner failed out. We never could get the right horse. We never could get the right people. All of a sudden, you know, three years into this, hundreds and thousands of dollars rodeo, and we still hadn't made it to, to state. That last year, there was this girl. There was this girl, and she didn't have a partner. Her parents called us and said, we see your son don't have a partner, and this young lady needs a partner. You want to partner him up? Justin was like, nah, we just won't rodeo this year. I'm not really. I said, look, it's this girl's senior year. It's your senior year. Let's just go at it and see what happens. His horse colicked and died at the first high school rodeo. We all of a sudden, God just kept blessing. We got another horse. And all of a sudden, that last year, with that girl, they made it to state. He didn't quit. He wanted to. Sometimes you and I want to quit. But if we don't, God could shift and bless us at the next rodeo to the next level. That's why it's so important not to give up on your marriage. That's why it's so important not to give up on your kids. That's why it's so important not to quit that job because you got mad. I know that there's some people right now that would be glad to have your job that you're complaining about every day. You keep on talking yourself out of your blessings, you'll be out of your blessings. 
God wants to come into your life tonight. He wants to come in, and He wants to come in and shift you into a new opportunity. And, and I'm going to say this. God wants to touch you, and that opportunity will find you. This TV deal, I didn't go looking for it. It found me. It found me. It found me. God wants to, God wants to supernaturally bring blessings into your life, and they will find you. They will find you. If you're living right, you're doing right, you're going to work every day, you're going to be blessed. You're staying out of bars, you quit drinking, you're trying to get yourself together, the blessings will find you. I believe that tonight. He has an unexpected blessing where you suddenly meet the right person. And suddenly your health improves or suddenly you're able to pay off your house or, or suddenly you're able to pay off your truck. That's God putting his touch and his favor on your life. What used to be a struggle is not a struggle anymore. What used to take years to happen, it's happened in a fraction of a time. You may feel like you're stuck right now. You can never accomplish your dream. But listen to me. God says, trust me in all things, and I'll make them because it'll be possible. Because all things are possible with God. Some of y'all come in here tonight and say, Brother Mark, it's just been too long. It's just been too long. I I've given up. I've quit. It's never going to happen for me. That's what I was saying about my weight. I always said I could lose it really quick, fast, and in a hurry because I, I knew I could, but it's been a lot tougher than I thought. But with the help of the right people and the right things, it's working. Even though I thought it was hard, it's working. Holly, I don't know how much weight you've lost. Girl, how much weight? 21 pounds. Carmen, how much weight have you lost? How many? 40 pounds. How many days sober for you, Michelle Krasny? Two years. Huh? Somebody say amen. God will supernaturally put you in a position, start blessing you, start helping you. And that first day at the gym, you really didn't want to go. The second day when your butt hurt, your leg hurt, your neck hurt, you're like, heck no, I ain't going back. But you started getting systematically able to be in that blessing that God wanted you to be in. What used to be a struggle is not a struggle anymore. What should have taken years to happen is only taking a fraction of time. You may say, well, it's been too long. You missed too many opportunities. You're too old. Brother Tommy is as is, 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 is old as they come. And he just, he is. Is he not here tonight? Well, we'll say, we'll pick on him anyway. He's as old as they come. He was working for a company. They weren't doing things right. He said, you know what? I can't work here no more because I wasn't built like this. If I'm going to be a part of it, I want it to be done right. I said, Tommy, but you're too old to quit. He said, I got a couple of job interviews, Brother Mark. So don't tell me you can't go out and get a job if Tommy Lott at 89, nine and a half years old with a girlfriend <laughs> can go get a job. You can go get a job. The opportunity ain't missed you because you went to prison. The opportunity ain't going to miss you with God's favor and one touch from him. It's been too long. I missed too many opportunities. 
But God is saying tonight to you, get ready, I'm about to touch you. I'm about to touch you. Things are about to change. Doors will be opened for you that have not been opened in the past. Those who were against you will suddenly be for you. Their minds will begin to change. Anybody ever see their enemies turn around and start being for you? Problems that have drugged you and held you for years, those problems are suddenly going to go away. God is about to touch you and shift you and move you and take you to a place you've never been before because you have honored God. He will put you in a position that you could have never got on your own. Who believes that God will do that? Is there anybody living proof tonight that God put you in a position that you didn't own, that you didn't deserve? That you should have been passed up for. But God wanted to bless you because you were a blessing to him. I learned from Del Way when we went to see him. If you give it away, God will keep giving it to you. You keep being a blessing to somebody else, God will keep blessing you so you can be a blessing to somebody else. It's not your education. It's not your talent. It's not the family you come from. It's a touch by God that puts you to a whole nother level. One touch from God can change everything. Who believes that tonight? I remember my wife saying, how are we going to afford to send the kids to college? Well, we worked hard. We had three jobs. We applied ourselves, and we got our son to college. But I believe that it was a supernatural hand of God because we didn't know anything about college. But he just started opening up doors. So some of you are here saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay for college. God will make a way where there's no way. God will bless you when, when you don't think that it's possible. It will be possible with him. Sometimes you need faith and victory spoken over your life. Words create power. When you receive them in your spirit, they can ignite you, and a seed will begin to increase in your life. You will, you will be created to, to not just be average, not to just get by. You will be created for more. I believe that all of us are created not to just get by. We were created for more. Who believes that with me tonight? Then how come we don't wear our, I, I, I'm just going through this, but I'm fixing to preach. How come we don't wear our blessings well then? We walk around like we're ashamed of what God is doing. We should be the happiest people on the planet because we're leaving this planet. And on the way out, God is touching us. And on the way out, God is setting us free. And on the way out, God is helping us achieve those goals and dreams that we have right here on this earth. Christians are the worst. They don't get out and tell people what God is doing. But God is doing it all for everybody. We should wear our blessings well. We should wear our blessings well. I learned that from Jesse Duplantis. He said, we're teaching people to be mountain climbers, but that's not what God intended us for to do. He said that be people of faith. Speak to that mountain, and that mountain would move. And then when God blesses, speak about it, talk about it. He said, people hate me because I wear my blessings well. I got a nice home. I got a couple of jets. I got a nice car. People hate me because I wear my blessings well. But I'm just showing off what God can do, he said. But you got people that are backbiters and haters and the devil's all out here trying to say this and trying to say that. But by all rights, 
all of us tonight who are healthy, happy, whole, we got enough right now to start celebrating what God is doing in our life. We don't need a jet, but if God were to give us a jet, man, we should be excited about that. Maybe right now you don't have a car, all you got's a bike. Be excited about that bike. Be thankful for that bike. Polish that bike up and start calling it a Harley. Or a scooter, if you get on the football pile. But if you call that blessing in. I remember when I was 16 years old and I was working at McDonald's. My parents were so sorry. They would never take me to work or never pick me up. It was eight miles away from the house on the interstate. And I remember walking down the interstate at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it was a two-hour walk home. To get home, it seemed like it took forever. I was a scared kid. I had to walk. had to get up for school in the morning. But I always said, if I ever get me a vehicle, I'm going to take care of it. I started saving my money. Started saving my money. Started saving my money. And when I walked in and handed that person my $600 down payment, I was so proud of myself. But I knew that if I destroyed it, I wouldn't have it anymore. A lot of people don't understand that today. They call in these blessings for a job, but then they gripe about the job. They call in these blessings for a house, then they treat the house like filth and trash, and they don't take care of the blessings that God gives them. If God gave you a house, it should be spotless. If God gave you dishes, they should be clean. If God gave you animals, they should be fed and healthy and happy. If God gives you stuff, you should take care of it, and you should show God that you respect the stuff that God gives you. Somebody ought to praise him tonight if they agree with me. Is there anybody here that agrees with that tonight? Huh? Anybody agree with that tonight? If God gives you something, you ought to take care of it. Me and my wife say this all the time. You don't have to have a lot of money to honor God with what you got. You can have the nicest place. It may not be the most expensive place, but it can be God's house. And it can be honoring God. When you walk around in that dwelling place, he'll be in there touching you. My sister and them, they live like the Clampets. I mean, but not with the Beverly Hills money. I mean, before the money. And my sister and them, they could never get it together. They never could get it together. But they were always jealous of us. And at that time, they made more than me and Mary. But they always called us rich. We weren't rich. We just took care of what we had. We took care of what we had, which made us rich. Because we could keep things a little bit longer if we took care of them. And I'm the first one to tell you I'm hard on equipment. I am. I'm hard on equipment. I try to wear it out so I can get me another one. I'm just mindset like that. I go so fast. I go so fast. I, got, I wore my stuff out. See, that's why this church is designed to be built out. Because we're going fast. We're wearing out this building. We need to expand. These chairs, that's why they got little holes in them and, and stains on them because we're wearing them out. I'm okay with wearing stuff out, but it's not taking care of it where the problem lies. God's house, your house, your stuff, it should be taken care of. I wish somebody received that tonight because God gave me that for somebody. You have not because you're not taking care of what you have. I could get into that and we could go all night. God created you to leave your mark on this generation. You have a gift and a talent that you hadn't even tapped into yet. There's a new level of destiny still in front of you, but, but it starts with your thinking. 
I'm not just trying to make you feel good tonight. I'm telling you that God wants to touch you or he wouldn't give me this word. He wants to touch you in your health. Is there anybody who could stand to be a little healthier? Feel a little better in your back? Anybody? Anybody could stand a little better feeling in their back and their neck and their legs and their joints? I told Mary before we came to church, I stepped on a sticker or something. I said, I got a sticker in my foot. And, I, and she was looking because I couldn't see. And I was standing on my bad leg. And, and, and she was looking and digging. I said, Woman, you're killing my leg. I could stand for this to be completely healed tonight. That I never have another problem with it as long as I live. That I be delivered and set free from the pains and elements of this world. It happens, Frank. You can throw away that cane. You got to have faith. Roro had faith to come down to the altar, take off their leg braces that she had wore for years. And she don't wear them no more. She couldn't get by without the leg braces. But in a revival, was it a revival, babe? It was in a revival that she took them things off and hadn't put them back on. God wants to do that for you tonight, too. If he'll touch her legs, he'll touch yours. If he'll touch your heart, he can touch the next person's heart. That addiction, give it to him tonight. Starts with your thinking. It may not look like it in the natural, but we serve a supernatural God. One touch from him can change everything. The enemies that you've had in the past, you ain't going to see them anymore. The addictions and the bad habits that are holding you back can be broken. God's favor can be released in a new way tonight. You can be propelled forward. What should have taken you 40 years to accomplish, God will do in a split second. To him, a day is like a million years. A million years is like a day. A shift will take you to where you've never gone before. You will overcome what the medical report says is impossible. A wayward child can change his mind. Right now, an instant second. Who believes that? Me and Mary was over there at the ladies' home. You really had a good time, didn't we, baby? We went Tuesday morning. We, we speak over there on Tuesdays at the Disciple House for Women. Mary got to go with me this Tuesday. One of the ladies is addicted to heroin and methamphetamines, and she runs drugs from Louisiana to Texas. And, I mean, she's a pretty lady. She's probably our age, and, and, but she's been running drugs from Louisiana to Texas, and she's been living down there and living a bad life and hooked and hooked and hooked. And something touched her one day and set her free. But she knew she needed some help. She knew she needed to get herself in a place where she could get some help. Hallelujah, she got herself in a place called Heaven's Army Women's Disciple House. But she has two sons who have followed in her footsteps and the drugs are controlling their life. One of them's 20 and the other one's 24. We went there this week and she was saying, you know, Brother Mark, been praying for my kids since I've been here. 
I told her a couple weeks ago, Rome wasn't built in a day. You keep living right, they'll be watching wanting to do the same thing mama's doing. You stop cussing, your kids won't cuss. You stop lying, your kids won't lie. You start telling the truth, going to church, sitting on the front row, kids will follow you up to the front row. Kids follow, they're a monkey see, monkey do. And it don't matter how old they are. A wayward child can come on back home. By the grace of God, there go I, there go John, there go so many of us. Sarah prayed Carl in. So many have prayed their husbands in. So many have prayed their wives in. Some are praying for couples and wives and family and friends right now and believing that one day they're coming home. She said, Brother Mark, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I've been, my faith has, has really been tested because I hadn't seen God move in my child's life. All of a sudden, me and Mary went, we got a praise report that her 24-year-old checked himself into a rehab program. God needed to touch her. God needed to bless her. She needed that blessing from God. She had been praying, and God supernaturally shifted it. That boy was somewhere doing something wrong, probably sticking a needle in his arm or something up his nose, and all of a sudden, God supernaturally touched him and set him free and delivered him. And now he's doing what mama's doing. And I'm so glad that we can hear that tonight. The shift is coming. The touch is coming. Your attitude tonight should be, God, I'm ready. I'm taking the limits off of you tonight, God. Come on, somebody believe that. God, I'm ready. I'm ready, God. I'm taking the limits off of you tonight. Remember uh, years ago, Holly, when you worked for me, I used to pray the Jabez prayer all the time. It wasn't a long prayer, but it was just God increased my territory. God increased my territory. And that's what God is doing. Shifting's coming. Take the limits off. Get out of the mindset that you don't deserve it because you do because your father is a king and, and he wants to bless his children. Enlarge your vision by taking your goggles off of what you see right now. I may not see it right now, but I declare it in the name of Jesus. In the Bible, there was this little wee little man up a tree. Anybody know what his name is? What was his name? Zacchaeus, the wee little man up in the tree. He was up there one day in that tree because he wanted to see the Lord. And the crowd was pressing on Jesus, and the, and the crowd was pressing on Jesus. And, and Zacchaeus wasn't a very nice man. I think he was a tax collector, am I correct? He was hated by most, not loved by any, had no family to speak of. He heard that Jesus was a Savior and that he was coming to town. And he thought, if I could just see him. And he was a little wee man. Just, just, he was probably about five foot tall, four foot tall. Three, I don't know how tall he was. I, I tried to look up a picture of him uh, so I could familiarize it in my mind. And I tried to watch some videos. But, and they always portrayed a guy about yay tall. Well, Jesus and them was up here and the crowd was pressing and he couldn't see. And said, you know what, I just got to see. Let me say this. Sometimes you got to rise up so you can see something. 
Sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone so you can see something. Sometimes, guys, you got to leave the comfort of what you know and get somewhere to believe and receive what God has for you tonight. So the wee little man, what was his name? Y'all can play along. Say it again. Carl, you didn't say it. All right, just check and see if you can follow along. Zacchaeus wanted to see the Lord. So what did he do? He climbed up a tree. He climbed up a tree because the Lord he wanted to see. And can you picture this in your mind? Picture our driveway out there. Picture where it comes from my office down here. And picture the Lord coming with hundreds of people squeezing him all over. That's why Zacchaeus couldn't get to him, couldn't see him, because he was being squeezed, he was being pressed, he was being just bombarded by the crowd because the crowd wanted to be around the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Lord is passing by, and he looks up in the tree, and there's a wee little man who everybody hated, who everybody despised, who had no love. And the Lord took a look at him and had compassion on him. The Lord took a look at him and had compassion on him. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down for that tree. For I'm eating at your house today. Come down from that tree. And can you imagine the Lord pushing away the crowd and touching him and helping him get out of that tree? And then, Scott, come help me. Come on, Scott. Picture and play along with me. I'm done. Then the Lord took him by the hand and touched him. And they went to his house. And everybody was mad because he was the one that was getting to eat with the Lord. Everybody was upset. Why are you eating with the sinners? Why do you want that guy? Let's go over here where the high polluters are. No, the Lord came to save and seek those which were lost, who needed a blessing, who needed a touch, who needed a miracle right now. So he grabbed him by the hand and they walked to his house. And in that house is where the wee little man, what was his name? Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'm going to give everything I own to the poor. And whatever I got left is all yours. See, he wants all of us. He wants to have an encounter with us. And that's a little my little cowboy. Thank you. Give Scott a round of applause. Thank you, brother. God wants to have that encounter with us tonight. And if you look up that story, it's an incredible story. I, I wish I had more time in my mouth that felt better. I, I would tell you uh, the story and re be able to read the story. But if you want to read it for yourself, it, 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 uh, it's in there somewhere. Uh, uh, I don't know what I had in my notes, but uh, anyway, uh, he saw Jesus, and Jesus touched him, and he had dinner with Jesus, and it changed his entire life. Going to church at Parkview changed my entire life. Coming here changed my entire life. So how does God touch us? When we feel his presence, when we know he's there, 
when we get out of our comfort zone and believe. He did not intend for you to be broke, busted, or disgusted. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, give you a future and a hope. You like that, don't you, Stormy? I would like that, to prosper a future and a hope. He has that for you. Praise God. He has that for that wee little baby girl that's so beautiful. He has her future. He's got a plan for her. Her hope is in him. And one touch from him could change all of it. Let's believe in that touch tonight. He squeezed my hand one time in the back of that car. And he squeezed my heart many a days at this church. There's some kids right now going through some stuff. Maybe you're going through some stuff. There's some people right now going through some stuff. Let's believe that he touches us tonight. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Put your head down and believe with me. Dear Heavenly Father, pray that with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I believe in what I heard here tonight. Father, I'd ask that you would touch me right now. Touch my life, Lord. Make it yours. Father, I will serve you and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray your touch heals me, delivers me, and sets me free from anything that's binding me. I rebuke Satan in my life in my home, in my friends, in my family, in my children. Satan, I put you under my feet. In Jesus' name, touch this. In Jesus' name, touch me. Amen. I say amen tonight. Somebody give him a praise. Amen.